thought it would be appropriate for us to just take time and as we come to the table of the Lord, think, you know, just on the meaning and significance of, uh, you know, the, the Lord's Supper. So I want us to take a closer look at the Lord's Supper. And I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23 to 32. And it reads, Paul writing here, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, <clears throat> he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament or the New Covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworldly manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Therefore, let a man examine himself and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And if, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, <clears throat> when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Amen. Sometimes uh, familiarity can cause us to look too lightly or take for granted the great significance of the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> and so I thought it would be good for us just to look at some of the key truths and what's all involved in the Lord's Supper that sometimes we can add it on at the end of the service or squeeze it in and we don't mean to but you know familiarity can cause us to think at times too lightly about the Lord's Supper so I want to highlight some of the truths and as we come to the Lord's table number one it's a time of remembrance <clears throat> Jesus said on two occasions when he gave the cup and when he gave the bread he said do this in remembrance of me and he's speaking down through the quarters of time to us here today that we need to stop and consider who Jesus really is he even probed his disciples after feeding the multitude and people making you know all of these wonderful comments that he's one of the prophets or he's uh, one of the prophets back from life from death and unto life again and as complimentary as that was, that was absolutely incorrect. He pressed the question even further to his disciples. Now, you've been with me three years. Who do you say that I am? And, of course, we know Peter spoke up. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. 
You are the Son of God. You are the one that the prophets spoke of. And he said, that's so true. Only God could make that known to you, Peter. And so we need to be reminded <clears throat> the uniqueness of the Christian faith. Jesus wasn't just a man. Even though he was a man, he was not just a good man. He was the God-man. He had two natures in that he was born by a miracle, born of the Virgin Mary, born by her being overshadowed by the glory of God, the power of the Most High, and she became impregnated with God's Son. He wasn't Joseph's son. He was God the Father's son, God's only son, unique in nature. He was absolutely God, fully God, and yet he robed himself in flesh and blood like you and me, fully God and fully man. So it isn't half and half. So when you go and get cream half and half, remember, Jesus is fully God and fully man in one person. Amazing. It's beyond comprehension. And people say, oh, that's folklore, born of a virgin. No, I say it's a sublime act of God. It's a miracle of miracles that God himself chose to step out of eternity, clothe himself in flesh and blood, and walk among us and be tempted in all points like you and me, and yet, with this distinction, without sin. Isn't that amazing? So he understands how we live in an ungodly world. He understands what it means to walk by faith. He understands what it is to be tempted. He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, and yet he didn't yield. And the enemy threw everything, including the kitchen sink, and he still didn't give in. Oh, over here. <laughs> I knew you're around somewhere. Haven't seen you for years. Anyway. <clears throat> so, think of that. If you cut him, he would bleed. If you kill him, he'd still live. God's only son. His name will be called Emmanuel. God with us. John, on the Mount of Transfiguration, with, along with James and Peter, saw him transfigured and he wrote in the opening verses of chapter 1 of his gospel he said and we beheld his glory full of grace full of truth eyewitnesses to the person of God Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen my father forever co-equal co-eternal Jesus is God in human form. He is distinct in his nature, Emmanuel, God with us. And, you know, he was not only born by a miracle, but he lived a holy life. They could find no fault in him. Remember, Pilate, I find no fault in him. What has he done wrong? He was innocent holy, pure. He died a sacrificial death. So it's a time to remember who he is.
that he is God. Not just a good man, not just an example. He's our Lord. And he's worthy of our constant devotion. He's worthy of our continual praise. Singing how I will sing of the goodness of God. Has God been good to you? I said, has God been good to you? All my life he has been faithful. And I'm thankful that he doesn't give up on us, aren't you? I might not have always been faithful to him, but he was always faithful to me. That's what makes me love him all the more, because he never gives up on us. So it's a time to remember. It's a time to, to remember who he is. God in human form. It's also a time for us. What have we got here? You got my notes. To recall the holiness of God. And what I mean by that is it does say in the scripture, before we partake of this, let a person examine themselves. When we hold in our hands the bread and the cup, we're confronted with the ugliness of sin. Now I know who you are. <clears throat> anyway, I'm just catching up here. You know, names and faces, different places. Anyway, hallelujah. We need to, we're confronted with the holiness of God. There could be no sin in his presence. Even on the cross, in that God-forsaken hour, Jesus always referred to his Father. But on the cross, when all sin was placed upon him, God turned his way from him and cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't think we can fully comprehend all that was accomplished on the cross. But we're confronted with the holiness of God. And it took the, the physical body and the actual blood of Jesus Christ to fully satisfy God's holiness. It's called propitiation of our sins. That means through Christ's pure sacrifice, shed blood, wounded body, shed for us forever satisfied the holiness of God far greater than the blood of goats and lambs he's saying I am the Lamb of God I die for your sin and you can't come to that place and I I looked it up and I want to read it to you because it's so good when you think that it took the actual physical body of Jesus Christ and his shed blood to satisfy the holiness of God. So Isaiah 53 says that, speaking of Jesus, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, sprouting from it root it from a root in dry land and sterile ground. There was nothing beautiful about or majestic about his appearance. There was nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected 
a man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. And we turned our backs on him. We looked the other way when he went, when he went by. So you can picture him going down Via De La Rosa with the cross, and people turning their back. They couldn't stand the sight. He was despised. <clears throat> we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we may have peace. He was whipped beyond recognition that we may be healed. All of us, no exemptions. We have strayed away like sheep. We have left God's path to follow our own way. And yet God laid on him, Jesus, the guilt and the sin of us all. Amazing. Thank God that Jesus was willing to give himself freely on our behalf. So we're confronted with the holiness of God. And the Bible says before we partake, examine your heart. <clears throat> and we must. If not, we bring judgment onto ourselves. <clears throat> he understands that we're frail creatures of the dust and that we say things, do things that we knew and know better, and yet it's done. But as we come to this table, we need to say, God, search my heart. You know my thoughts. Cleanse me. I want to be acceptable unto you. I thank you for shedding your blood for the forgiveness of my sin. I thank you through your merits I am found acceptable in the sight of a holy God. Amen? So it's a time to remember. It's a time to recall the holiness of God. And it's also a time to renew our commitment with God. Jesus said, and sometimes we don't always get the significance when he said, this is a new covenant in that upper room with his disciples. He's saying, this is a new covenant in my blood and in my body for you. All that the prophets looked forward to back and they always came to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover and they all migrated from all over Israel, just like the Canada geese come home. And, and they, they all migrate to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And that's what was happening on the night in which he was betrayed. But something transpired that night, and he said, I am establishing a new covenant. This is my blood. This is my body. I'm the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world. And so God made covenant with us by giving us his son and Jesus giving us his life. He made a covenant. He made an agreement. He said, I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will keep you. But we need to come into agreement with that covenant and renew our commitment to him. Romans 12 says, let us 
present ourselves unto God as a living sacrifice. Let us live up to our commitment. Let us renew our devotion to Him. Let us, determined by God's grace to live for Him in an ungodly world, that we would not deny Him, we would not betray Him, but we would stand up, show up, and speak up, and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen? And so it's a time to renew our commitment. It gives us an opportunity to say, Lord, I give my very best to you. Take me. Lord, I offer my life to you. Wherever you want to direct my life, wherever you want me to serve you, and all of us have giftings. Use them for the glory of God, not for selfish pursuit. And that brings me to the fourth one. As we come to the Lord's table, we celebrate the unity we have in Christ. It says, wait for one another. When you come to partake, wait for one another. Do you realize by the miracle of the new birth, we're family? I might not know everybody's name, but I know we're family in Jesus. Amen? And it's better than the Lions Club or Kiwanis, you know. It's, it's something spiritual. We are family. And we are placed into the body of Christ. We are the body. We are family. And we need to realize that we need to admonish one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, support one another, complete one another. You look at all the one another's in the Bible, that's our privilege and responsibility because of our unified faith in Jesus Christ. He calls us from the north, the south, the east, and west. He calls us from all kinds of backgrounds, but we have a common faith and common ground at the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. So you have giftings in you greater than you realize. And you have giftings. We all have different giftings. I just discovered this morning Luke has the gifting of drawing. And I think that's pretty amazing. I can only do stick you know, but I looked at some of the dimensions there. We all have different giftings. And so we need to use them to further the cause of Christ. If your gifting is a teacher, then have a godly influence in that class. If, if your gifting is to be an engineer, good. If you can fix things, I, give me your phone number. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I have the gift that if there's five ways of getting anything wrong, I can get it wrong. Just like that. I mean, I used to try. I really did. Until when I had a phone for the experts to come in, they said, why didn't you call us first? It's a mess, you know. So I realized by experience, as much as I tried to fix things, I made it worse. I can tell you a true story. I don't know if I should digress or not. But when we're pastoring in Georgetown, now this is a simple thing, right? <clears throat> I'm there and I realize, oh, one of the light bulbs are out. So I go get the table and stand up there and try to unscrew it. And, <clears throat> you know, and it came out. The socket was still in there. So I went and got needle nose pliers and I put them up there and <clears throat> I thought, okay, better. <laughs> Good idea to turn it off. 
and it had sort of a long neck, you know, a steel neck and then the light. So I get the needle nose pliers in there and I'm twisting it off and I finally get it out. Then I realized I got the whole thing out. So I, so I phoned Camilo. Thank God there was an electrician in the church. And I said, Camilo, uh, could you look at that light Saturday morning when you get home? He said, okay. He came to me Sunday morning. Pastor Dave, you not only got the light socket, you got the whole socket. And when you twisted it, you know those wires that go up? They broke. He said, next time, if you need a light bulb change, call me. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just telling you, and these IT guys, listen, I'm, the only thing smart about me is I have a smartphone. If you want to know anything, I don't know any more than that. So call on these guys. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to look smart, but I know, I know my limitations. But all I'm saying is, God has placed us in the body of Christ as it pleases Him. So whatever your gifting is, use it for the glory of God. Make the world a better place. So it's time to just realize and celebrate the unity we have in Christ. We're more than just an organization. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We are what we are by the grace of God. <clears throat> So we need to celebrate the unity that we have in Jesus. Amen? Now the last thing, this isn't exhaustive, but the last thing that stands out to me, how long are we to celebrate the Lord's Supper? Until he comes again. I genuinely believe we are living in the last of the last days that this war going on in Ukraine and I know God is helping the Ukrainians and I pray for the generals give them supernatural strategy I pray for the warring angels to come alongside and fight with them and for them and they're pushing back Russia and Putin is frustrated and I'm cheering him on but ultimately timeline this could ultimately lead to third world war and ultimately to the war against Israel, the battle of Gog and Magog. Only God knows the timeline. But all things are in place for world takeover. Jesus said this about the nation of Israel. <clears throat> he said, when you see the fig tree blossom, speaking of Israel, then you know that summer's on the way and figs will come. When we see the buds in the tree in springtime, we know summer's coming. And the farmers are praying for good crops to get on the land and sow seed. But he said something significant. He said that this generation, when Israel becomes a nation again, that's what he was speaking of. He said, this generation will not pass away until all things pertaining to the coming of the Lord are fulfilled. You can read about it in uh, Matthew chapter 24. 
Think of creation is groaning for the coming of the Lord. Think of the tornadoes. Think of the famines. Think of the pestilence. Think of worldwide plague never happened before. Worldwide takeover. Israel became a nation in 48. And I believe if I live with continued health and strength, I could very well be alive when Jesus returns. So many signs. Everybody has an iPhone. Everything in that little thing is you're being traced and you have all the information. And CNN can cover when the two witnesses will be killed in Jerusalem. We won't be here for that, but I mean, there's the promise of the rapture. So it's closer than ever before. Think of the violence. It says in 2 Timothy, it says, in the last days, perilous times will come. They'll be disrespectful of law and order, parents, and there'll be murder and bloodshed. I can't think of a time where just this past week in Brampton, in GTA, three more killed by stabbing and, you know, uh, all of the, the chaos. We are living in a day when evil is spoken kindly of and righteousness is being distorted. White is black, black is white. Up is down and down is up. We don't even know our gender anymore. That's how <clears throat> crazy the world has become. All of these things point to the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And we're closer today than we've ever been. And we can't change the whole world. I was been, I've been studying Revelation and all that. I came to this conclusion. God knows what's going to happen. Bottom line, all we have, Hans, is today. And so, be the difference today. Occupy today. Make your life count for today. Because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. We didn't know that Doris' sister would pass. A week ago, I was at Lori Gibbons' funeral. And, I mean, he did a funeral the day before, and he died the next day. Unexpected. If I don't show up next Sunday, I hope I make the rapture. I know, I'm kidding. But anyway, <clears throat> anyway, I just want you to know we are living in the last days. And maybe I'll preach on that sometime. But I've come to the conclusion, don't try to figure out dates and times and whatever. Just know this, the time is near. He's even at the door. That means he's ready to come. And in an hour when you think not, the Son of Man will return. We'll be caught up in the air with the Lord. And we'll forever be with Him. In the meantime, as we come to the Lord's table today, <clears throat> let us remember who He is, why He alone came and accomplished what only he could. And let us examine our hearts and realize we need to keep our end of the bargain. And so
say, Lord, you've made covenant with us. It cost your very life. We present our life to you. And that we would come renewing that commitment. That we would come re rejoicing in the unity that we have. We're in this together. And together we're better. Amen.